Welcome to Curito Connects. I'm your host, Jen, and I've been conversing with friends around the world about life challenges and impactful moments. Conversations on this platform look at answering the questions, how we overcome challenges and how our experiences shape who we are and the work we do today. I hope this work can inspire you on your own personal and individual journey. Let's dive right in. Hello, my guest today is attorney on a journey, Francesca Chang. Hi, Francesca. Hi, Jen. Okay. A former lawyer who quit law to live a more fulfilling and purposeful life, Francesca moved to Taiwan from the Bay Area in 2017 with her husband, Ben, who actually is a classmate of mine. And that's how I met you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and through opportunities, created Attorney on a Journey, her travel blog, which features amazing YouTube videos about travel in Taiwan and around the world. But her true passion lies in helping attorneys and other outliers, like myself, <laughs> who wish to switch career tracks to pursue their purpose and are stuck figuring out how to do so. So as you can imagine, today, Francesca will share with us the challenges she encountered when she decided to take that leap of faith and say bye to law and live her true calling and how she did that and how she encourages others to do so in the work she does today. So, Francesca, I'll let you share more with us. Thank you for that, Jen. Yeah. Um, where should I start? <laughs> uh, how about let's start from the beginning. Okay. So... You know, you're Chinese American. You were born and raised in the States. Mm -hmm. So you grew up in Calif California, California Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, you know, pre pre pretty normal life, right? Yes. <laughs> you have a sister. Mm -hmm. uh, your parents are there. Um, and I guess at what point did you decide you wanted to become a lawyer? Uh, yeah, I wanted to become a lawyer uh, in college. I actually was doing a lot of human rights, civil rights, activism. You know, I was very involved on campus, um, you know, doing, um, you know, promoting like same-sex marriage when that was something that wasn't even on the ballot yet. Um, meeting survivors from like the Rwandan genocide, right? That has a very powerful impact on you when you're um, a young 18-year-old. So that's when I decided, you know, okay, I, I do want to continue making a difference in the world. And I thought that at the time, you know, going to law school would be the way to do it. And becoming a lawyer. So what kind of law did you end up practicing? practicing? Yeah. Um, yeah, so when we graduate from law school, it's, I mean, we're licensed to practice almost anything, I would say. It's just kind of a general practitioner license. Um, I started with civil litigation. I went to a solo law firm and was the only assistant or only associate. So I learned a lot very, very quickly as opposed to someone who goes on the, you know, the big law track or someone who goes to a very supported firm with lots of resources. So yeah, that was um, that, that was kind of what the circumstances were when I graduated. Um, you know, the economy was still not very good after the 2000 and... Lehman Brothers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the economy was not great. Um, I was in the competitive Bay Area where there's so many law schools. Um, so that was my first gig out of law school and after passing the bar. Not exciting? Exciting? <laughs> uh, you know, it's okay. It was exciting to learn so much in such a quick time, with such a, such a short time, sorry. Um, but I didn't feel like I was ever helping anyone. Um, mm. My, you know, my first client was 
this very wealthy contractor who came into our office wearing a different Rolex every time and was suing his sister over lost rent. Do like, yeah, overdue rent. Um, and that kind of, you know, that experience was very eye-opening for me to realize, oh, you need to be very wealthy in America to assert your legal rights, right? That, that was one thing where I was like, wow, I went, you know, my law school education, it was for profit. Um, all of this, right? And then watching, you know, my, my clients and how I'm spending my time and not making a lot of money, right? Because of the economy. Uh, all of those things kind of influenced um, my decision to leave and made me just reflect on, you know, what am I doing this for? But could you have gone to the nonprofit side, right? Like in terms of combining your law degree mm -hmm. and combining your interest in helping those who really need a voice, right, to, to get things done? Sure, I, I could have, and I, I explored that as well. Um, unfortunately, in the Bay Area, when, and when you have six figures of debt, it's just not realistic. Um, you can't support yourself, and with any kind you know just with the demands of any legal job you do burn out so i didn't think that that was going to be a better path for me so how long did it take you from recognizing that you were kind of like what am i doing here to taking action you know and applying or gets like the tools you had at the time or the people or whatever it was that was around you to make you realize to get out and get the support you needed to do that and then kind of go okay what now like i'm still in a lot of you know debt for for my school schooling right and then where do i go from here so actually yeah that's a great question um the mind the mind sh mindset shift if we, can, if we can call it that it is a mindset, a shift. mindset shift. yes <laughs> it happened during actually my second year of law school i didn't yeah, I mean, I didn't realize it was happening, right? But I was, again, I was very involved in my community. I wasn't just going to law school. I was, um, I, I held one of the largest um, legal conferences for Asian Americans in the state of California. And when I was doing this, um, you know, I was just so passionate about it. I was spending more time on that than I was on my, you know, my studies. But I was, um, you know, I was doing all this event planning. I was doing marketing. I was doing fundraising. Um, I was a leader you know i was coordinating law students from all over all over the state of california like nine different law schools i think and that's when i realized oh i like this so much better than you know what i'm supposed to be doing or what i'm being set up for right now so and of course you know just having um experience before law school in um holding different jobs and traveling you know i i also think that my my mindset was set up for being able to shift or being able to just think of other options um, to what I was, you know, on a track for or to what I was supposed to be doing. So yeah, the mind, the mindset shift happened in law school. And so um, when I was practicing, um, what happened is just that a job opportunity came in front of me and I was ready to take it because I was like, well, this sounds better than what I'm doing now. I mean, in terms of not just the pay, but like what I might, job responsibilities, right? Like it allowed me to travel, it allowed me to dine at Michelin star restaurants, it allowed me oh, to, so fun. to take clients, you know, <laughs> to like box seats at NBA, NBA games. And so when I think the universe just, you know, just gave me this opportunity and I was like, yes, yep, please, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the first step. Yeah. And how long were you at that new job for? 
Uh, maybe like half a year. Oh. Well, I was technically, okay, so I practiced law. I'll say this. I, I practiced law as a licensed attorney, right? Like we start, we start working at a law firm and um, practicing before we're technically licensed, you know, as a uh, post bar or whatever, whatever it's called now. But I practiced law legally with a license for three months only. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And then, so why did you leave the fun opportunity job that landed in your lap? Oh, after, after that. Um, yeah. Cause you said you stayed for six months there. Oh, I'm sorry. No. So for, I worked as a, at the law firm for maybe a total of six months, but only three months of that was as a licensed. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I left to go to the, the fun job. Right. And yeah. so how long were you at the fun job before you switched again? I was at the fun job for <laughs> about a year. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, so you could have continued to stay there or I could have. what, mm-hmm. what, um, new thing landed on your lap that made you have to switch tracks again oh, you're very resilient like all these changes I, keep coming at I know, you I wrote about I wrote about this whole journey on medium um what happened we'll link that to okay podcast yeah. so people can read it if they're interested as well so what happened there was I was driven away by lawyers oh. <laughs> the, the job I was still in legal services so I wasn't practicing law but um I was selling a service to lawyers and all of management were lawyers. And the thing about, the thing about law is that, uh, it's so, what's the word I want to use? Narrow minded in that you don't really learn any other skills, but how to practice law. So when a lawyer who has practiced for 10, 15 years switches over to management or even, even law firm partners who are managers, right? They don't have any business acumen. They don't have any formal managerial training. They don't have any of those skills and they just become a manager. And so working at this fun job, you know, even though I loved what I was doing, um, it was still reporting to lawyers who wouldn't give me a budget, you know, to send marketing materials to with one of our speakers who they were paying to fly to Israel to speak, but would not give him marketing materials like that kind of stifling thinking and environment yeah Mm, that's tough (laughs) but also uh, applicable in many environments Mm -hmm. not just in law so okay so then how did you get from where you were there to taiwan right Mm -hmm. was that the transition basically no i had a few more hurdles and struggles you know i took another job um probably for the wrong reasons, was fired, went through unemployment, had to find another job, right? Went through all of this. Um, and then eventually, you know, I thought I ended up with a dream job or what I was very happy doing. I ended up in legal tech. So I'm marketing, doing marketing for um, a legal software for lawyers. Um, I loved what I was doing. And then my husband comes home one day and is like, hey, you want to move back to Taiwan? <laughs> Move back? Did you ever live here? We did. Yeah, this okay. is where I met my husband. Um, I lived in between my two my two year gap year between um college and law school was spent in here. Taiwan, okay. which you know also also gave me this great broader perspective of uh, on life. life. Yeah, so and what, you what want. life is and what what you can do, where you can go, where you can travel. Uh, but yeah, so he kind of came to me one day and was like, "Oh, um, what do you think about moving back to Taiwan?" And at first, Jen, I was like, "No." Like I have worked so hard to get to where I am. I have financial stability. I love my work environment. You know, I feel good. And then as I th- thought about it more, 
you know, I realized this is also a really great opportunity. I have nothing to lose here, right? It's, yeah, it's relocating to Taiwan, um, which I had lived here previously and I loved, you know, the environment, it's so safe, um, so convenient with public transportation. And so I said, okay, yes, why not? You know, we don't have a home, we don't have kids. There's nothing tying me here, holding me back here. But your dreams, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Your career goals, maybe? Sure, yeah. I mean, that was the... <laughs> yeah, when you work in the competitive Bay Area, of course, there's that that layer the, of... The, e the ego, yeah, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> sure. But again, because, you know, I... Obviously, if I had... If I defined myself by a job title or status, I would have stayed in law, and I don't. So when that opportunity came, it was like, okay, let's go. Mm. So I mean, and but it was. Do you think if it wasn't because of Ben and you were in a marriage, you probably would have stayed? Like if someone else, if you were, you know, single, or if you were, you know, just dating someone at the time, and someone brought you an opportunity to be like, hey, you know, would you like to move to Taiwan? Would you, do you think you would have also left? Eventually, I think I would have. Right, yeah, eventually. <laughs> but maybe not at that time, right? right? Because yeah. I, I, I think this has got a little bit interesting because, you know, for you, it's like it's a, it's a joint decision, right? Because sure. you do have a partner, mm -hmm. and, and there are people who oftentimes come to that bridge, but maybe they're single because, like you said, they, they don't have kids, they, they don't have a spouse, they don't have parents they have to take care of. So it also depends on where you are at in your life at that time. So when you came, when you guys decided to move out here, you then became your identity, so to speak, changed again because then you were the traveling spouse. I was the trailing spouse. I'm oh, sorry, the trailing spouse. Yes. yes. So um, in terms of, you know, I guess when you think about it, like all, all these years of trying to be resilient in terms of what you wanted to do, you know, in terms of you studied law, this is what you were ambitious and wanted to do. And then you kept switching and trying out different things. Mm -hmm finding yourself in terms of what drives you and what you want to do and you know you have a lot to offer to then coming out here where your Chinese wasn't so fluent at the time right. and for those who don't know uh, working in Taiwan is a little tricky mm -hmm. if you don't have a level of Mandarin, Mandarin mm -hmm. proficiency so to speak um, so how how did you change I guess it's another mindset change how yes. did you figure that out I guess, you know, yeah. in 2017 of coming out here and, you know, having to make a, having to put yourself out there, make new community, make new friends, make this your home. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was a true struggle. Um, to be honest, you know, right before we left, I, in my head, I, I actually came to realize, oh, this is going to be great for me because I don't have to work, right? I thought this is going to be an amazing opportunity. You know, I can be stay-at-home wife if I want. I can do whatever I want. And then when I got here, I realized, okay, that's not enough for me. Right? <laughs> that I cannot do this. I need to, again, like, I need to feel purpose. I need to be making an impact. I need to be, or at least creating, doing something with my talents and, you know, my education or my, my abilities even, right? Um, so, yeah, that was another kind of struggle. And what I did to eventually find my way and figure out, get to where I am now, um, like you said, you just, you start networking, right? Like I had previously written for um, a travel magazine here in Taiwan, sponsored by Taiwan's Tourism Bureau. 
and I reached out to the editor and I was like, hey, I'm back, <laughs> right? Mm. Like, what opportunities do you have? Started doing that. So I began writing, you know, I began working again as a freelance travel writer, which is something I had, uh, it was a little side gig I had when I lived here in Taiwan before law school. So I started working as a freelance travel writer. Um, the writing, you know, caught the attention of a blog in Taiwan and which happened to be run by a local tour agency in Taiwan. So I started writing for them. And then that gig eventually turned into a full-time position where I started working for the local tour agency because their market was catered towards um, uh, inbound or inbound. Inbound. Tours. <laughs> it's like we haven't, speaking. we haven't traveled for so long during this <laughs> pandemic. We forgot what inbound and outbound tourism is. Yes. <laughs> so I became a full-time um, employee for a local tour agency. And that's when I started traveling around the entire island um, scouting tours finding these, you know, off the beaten path experiences that you cannot find on a blog, you cannot find in, um, you know, a travel guide because this tour company was so passionate about bringing these off the grid and just authentic experiences to, to foreigners. That sounds so fun. <laughs> Another fun job. Yeah, right. But it was because I was, I mean, I think we all naturally, we gravitate towards what we want anyway. Right. Yeah. We totally. Yeah. But just kind of sidetracking this conversation here because you know we're talking about uh, travel traveling spouse. That's the, term, the trailing right? spouse. Sorry, trailing. <laughs> Is it not traveling spouse? Trailing trailing spouse. As in because I'm just following along. Correct. Okay. So <laughs> you know I just sidetracked to that because I, I do feel like some listeners probably are you know they are that trailing spouse. Why? Uh, and I'm sure you've met a lot too, right? Mm -hmm. During your time here. What would you say to encourage them to also find their niche, right? Because I like I think like you said, a lot of people come here. Some people are happy to just be the trailing mom, or it could be dad, you know, just mm -hmm. taking care of the kids and sure. letting the other spouse. Sure. That is a handle. job. That is a full-time full, job. That is yes, a full-time job. Is. But there are others who, you know, maybe they don't have kids, right? So they do have that time on their hands. Mm -hmm. And again, language is a problem sometimes. Uh, how do you, how would you encourage them to kind of f be able to feel comfortable and find their niche in, in their new environment, mm -hmm. right? And it could, it doesn't have to be here. It could be anywhere in the world that you have a trailing spouse in a different country. Mm -hmm. I think that's always something that I guess as a society, we don't really talk about often. Uh, of course, there's always support networks and support groups, you know, to help foreigners or foreign spouses who are in the country, but for you, if it wasn't because of your job opportunities that right. led you to, you know, finding attorney on a journey and the blog and, you know, all this travel, uh, blogging you and writing you've been doing, what do you think you would have done or, you know, to be able to find that for yourself? Yeah. Um, this is actually the same advice I give my clients right now that I'm a life coach and career coach is you have more talents than you think. You have more skills than you realize. And we have this wonderful thing called the internet now, right? The internet, The internet, yes. where I literally, I run a business, right, out of Taiwan. But I coach, you know, American lawyers. Um, I make American salary, right? If that's I charge American rates. <laughs> American rates. And it's, yeah, it's the internet and just... Um, it takes a while, sure, to kind of discover like what it is you have to offer to the world, right? For me, it's just because of my journey and because I had to 
remarket myself seven different times and figure out you know what I could do and what I was good at or um, you know what resources and networks I could use right I have the experience of being able to coach other people to do the same like okay let's take what you have now right like what can you use what can you market what what can you give to the world like everybody has something right Jen like you're Curito right am I allowed to say am I allowed to give that name on, yes, on the podcast yes of course okay. you can you can keep saying it okay. <laughs> with, with your um do we how, how do we call it event company I know it's more than an event company it's yeah, uh, it is more than that. Right. Um, it's just, you know, connecting the world through curated and shared experiences. Right? But, like, that's something that you've had this whole time, right? It's something that you, you did even when you were working a full-time job, and you just put it all together, right? And you're marketing it, and you're running a business, right? That's... It did take a long time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like everybody can do that, right? With the internet, we have resources. You know, you can Google how to start a blog and make money off of it. You can Google how to start a business, right? It's, it's all available, and you can, you can work with whoever you want to on the World Wide Web. That's very true and very empowering. And I, yeah, this is a very good segue to my next question, which is how did you piece it together, right? And, and, you know, this is a nice way to kind of transition into, like, the work you do with your coaching. Mm -hmm. Do you call yourself Attorney on a Journey Life Coach? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, Attorney on a Journey Life Coach, Francesca Chang. So, <laughs> so long. <laughs> sold. Um, how, so, you know, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit from the early years till, you know, to now. And how would you, yeah, talk about how you connected the dots? And whenever you encountered, uh, you know, when you when you were frustrated with where you were stuck at, mm -hmm. how did you go about finding ways for you to find your answers, so to speak, right? And, and everyone, for everyone, it's different. Mm -hmm. You know, it it could be you have your own coaches that you work with. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did you find them? Mm -hmm. You know, or it could have been you love reading books and you find your answers through through books, or you talk to your husband Ben a lot. <laughs> Right, bouncing ideas with him to kind of figure out, you know, this is what I like to do, but like I'm stuck here, and like how do I, how do I piece this all together so we can, so it can work. Mm -hmm. You know, the key to that, and again, this is what I tell my clients, is to just keep iterating, right? Like, you didn't know that you were going to build Curito. I didn't know I was going to build a life coaching business. It just comes from action, right? For example, I think both of us, like, we're very creative, artistic people. I think so. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, we, we have creative outlets. So for yes. me, it's, you know, to be honest, I accidentally built my brand on Instagram because I started with an Instagram and I just started, you know, sharing my travels. And for a while, I thought, like, I'm going to be a travel influencer, right? I'm going to be a travel blogger. Or... I think you are, though. Well, <laughs> I mean... I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think you are an influencer. Thank you. Thank you. But I mean, that I'm more than that now is what I, what I, what I want Absolutely. to say, right? Like, I am. Um, but it, again, it just started from, okay, I have this Instagram. This is my creative outlet, okay? I'm going to show you pictures of the world. I'm going to show you these experiences that I've... From your viewpoint. Exactly. I'm going to show you these off-the-grid um, experiences from Taiwan. I'm going to make a video so you can feel like you're there. I'm going to translate it, or I'm going to put Mandarin subtitles so that every, everybody can read it and see it. And so I started just iterating, right? And 
you know, my, my tagline or my, my title was attorney on a journey. It's like, oh, I travel. Oh, and by the way, I used to be an attorney, right? I kind of discounted that. Like, that's just me. That's, I didn't think it was a big deal that I left the law and did this. But how I got here was I kept iterating and then people started coming to me with questions of how did you do this, right? Like, how did you get here? Mm. Or just specifically the lawyers were like, how did you leave the law? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, there's a need for this, yeah. right? There's yeah. a niche. And so that's when, you know, you know, I think having social a social media presence is so vital these days, right? To building a brand, creating whatever you want to create, starting a business, right? And so that's that that's how I got there. And that's the advice I give to people is just start iterating, right? Don't wait until you're perfect. I know you've heard me say this a lot, right? You just you just make a post and you see just what happens. Do it. And you make another post and you see what happens. You, you, you write a blog post and you see what happens, right? You write an article, you make a guide, you see what happens, right? You just, again, it, it's always action, right? Like I, I'm not of the mindset, I, I, I never been a person where I'm like, okay, I need to have this exact plan before I can go, before I can do this, right? Because that doesn't work. Things change, right? You have to learn by doing. Yeah, you also told me that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's funny thing you talked about social media because I, you know, I do want to ask as an influencer, uh, you know, in the social media, you know, era we're in right now, how does one, you know, as a view, like as, as a user, like as a viewer, how do we, how do we filter, you know, mm. what is authentic and what isn't? Because, you know, when we talk about the negativity of social media, mm-hmm. it's like there's just so much information and so much content whether it's good or not that's out there right so how do we stay healthy about what we're absorbing and then i guess my other question is as a content provider so someone who's putting stuff out there how do you be true to your own voice right so basically like what you said earlier you just action 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 just put it out there keep tweaking you never know where your post or your, you know, whatever you put out there will take you. And it could be a negative experience. You could have people bashing you for your writing, for your view take. And um, I remember very clearly recently with the whole Asian hate Mm -hmm. or with mask wearing in, you know, in Asia or in the States too, you've made some comments and you've had people make comments back at you, you know, so how do you handle things like that? Mm. Right. So it's, there is no playbook, obviously. Uh, I mean, I know there are people who do write about how, you know, how to start and like what are the etiquettes and, you know, this and that. But, sure. you know, what would you, what would you, based on your experience and what you've learned during these last few years of doing this, you know, to, I guess, can we use the word be successful or, you know, to be authentic and to be able to really generate good content, so to speak? Mm-hmm. You know, what would you recommend? Okay, so to answer your, your first question about as, as a viewer, yeah, as, as a, a user viewer. viewer, how do you filter? How do you, you know, keep, you know, keep your mind sane and healthy with all of this information overload? For me personally, I, you know, I take very hard and um, regimented breaks. Like I try not to go on my phone on the weekends, right? I try to just be present and live life. I mean, it doesn't always happen that way, but it's, it's I try. I'm like, okay, I don't need to be on social media. Um, and I think having, you know, using social media with intent is is also very helpful. That's that's you just have to have that um, 
kind of mindset of like, okay, why am I going on social media right now? What's the purpose? What do I hope, what do I need to, what do I want to gain from it right now? Or am I just bored and scrolling, right? Like you have to be able to identify that as a user. Um, so that's, yeah, that, that's my way of dealing with it. I don't go on social media on the weekends. Um, and then to your other question about being the content creator, like this is also still like a learning process for me, right? Is um, I have, you know, the bigger you get and the more political or sensitive material you post there, like you're gonna get haters, right? Yeah. You're gonna get haters. And I think like that was kind of hard for me to accept and deal with, you know, it's unfortunately like during these very volatile political times, right? It's there's even like people like people's politics show right and you might stop being friends with people over this i know that's a big trend that's happening right now well it's not even just politics it's also vaccinated unvaccinated uh people are losing friends from that right so it's definitely a very sensitive time we're in yes for sure but you know the way I, I deal with it, and I actually I actually got this advice from a coach. Um, her name is Wendy Shu. She's she's amazing. She actually no longer coaches because she left to um, start a nonprofit building schools in Nepal. Um, the best advice she ever gave me. She's like, having haters is it's a good thing, right? It, it's it's a sign that you are being true to yourself, right? You want to repel and attract at the same time. Right. That's kind of if you want to talk about like the way that brands work, right, that's they know that this is the science, too. It's like, okay, if this is going to repel people, well, then that's good, because then I can also see who it's attracting. Right. You And then you find your niche and the people who want to follow you or the people who want your services, so to speak. So I, I've been able to kind of look at it that way and say, okay, as long as I'm not, you know, hurting anyone, like as long as, you know, this is my belief and. I'm okay with people having a different belief, right? right? You don't have to, you can agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. And also like, I remind people too, like there's an unfollow button on my Instagram. Like I, I am not forcing you to be here. Like you have that that freedom and that right to unfollow me at any time you want, right? You're here because you want to be. So I think just, yeah, looking at it of like, okay, when you're growing in this space, there's going to be haters or, or just trolls even, right? Just, you know, there's, there's that, but it's, um, yeah, just remembering like, okay, the bigger you get, the more of that it's going to happen. It comes with the territory. Yeah, definitely. That's very sound advice, <laughs> especially for the times we are in right now. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, we're coming short on time now. Uh, I will definitely put your website, your social media on the, the comments below so people can follow you or reach out if they're interested in a consultation with you. Uh, but before we wrap up, I know you just had finished your quarantine here in Taiwan, which if there are those who don't know, Taiwan has had this quarantine rule for this entire pandemic, mm-hmm. but only most recently insisted that people have to quarantine in hotels for 15 days, 15 it, days, 14, 14 nights. nights. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, we could do it at home, but yeah. uh, since June of this year, it's been uh, done in hotels. Mm-hmm. How has that experience been for you? And do you have any tips for those who are in it now or who are, you know, flying back here and have to, you know, go into it to maintain sanity during, I mean, I know it sounds ironic because a lot of people around the world have had to do lockdowns in their homes, 
but to be in a small box mm -hmm. with literally not a lot of space is, is another added layer of uh, challenge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it was an experience. Um, you know, I think we talked about this before. Finding a place that you know has some access to nature, right, or a window that opens. It's really, really important for your sanity during those 14 nights, 15 days. Um, yeah, I mean, get yourself as comfortable as you can. If you have to splurge, splurge, right? This is your mental health that we're, and physical health that we're talking about. It's, you don't want to, you don't want to put a price tag on that. Um, but you know, it, it was okay. Like overall, it was okay. I didn't feel, I didn't feel isolated or abandoned or alone. You know, the hotels in Taiwan, they have such great service, right? They are checking on you. They are bringing your meals to you every day. Um, there's, you know, Uber Eats is accessible if, you, if you're like, if you feel kind of confined by the dining choices. Um, yeah, just do what you need to do for your mental and physical health and don't think twice about it is what I'd say. Great. I think that's, that's helpful advice, the window and view quite important even if you don't realize it. yeah you will I mean you don't want to be like you said in a box for 14 days. <laughs> with, with no windows yeah it's funny you mentioned the whole mental health part because then I wanted I me mean, then I wanted to ask you for your own mental health you know you, you you're in a line of work which exerts a lot of energy for mm. yourself right mm. you spend a lot of your hours talking to clients helping them you know you're in you're outputting a lot of your energy so how do you keep your you know internal energy for you throughout the week yeah no that's a very important point i and it's a work in progress you know i have to set aside blocks of time where i don't take any calls right clients cannot contact me like i'm not available 24 7 and you know i don't think anyone should be right unless matter of life and death but i mean if you're in the services industry you have to respect yourself and your time and you know give yourself limits and say okay this client needs something from me but they can get it tomorrow or you know they're going to be okay if i don't respond within this next hour to them because i'm eating dinner with with my husband um so yeah definitely setting those time blocks so that i don't sit down to work but then also just respecting my own boundaries right and remembering like okay um you know this person will be okay if if i if i take a two-hour break from right. them right right and i to be honest I, I do have this i have the added benefit of having of working in a different time zone than my clients so that i can't respond to them oh all that's, the time. True. Yeah. that's true that's true we're kind of on opposite schedule so you know i can only either talk to them in my in my morning or, or my evening right and then vice versa for them so i can't like have clients in the middle of the day, which is nice. That's a great advantage of working in a different time zone. Sure, huh? yeah. Uh, I, I, I kept saying we were gonna finish, but I keep coming up with more questions. Okay. <laughs> but I do wanna ask, uh, do you still apply your law degree to the work you do now? <laughs> yes. Oh, actually, you know, in many ways, um, I had to figure out how to set up my business structure so that I don't get sued by lawyers, right? I know that's so ironic to say this. Um, not that I expect any of my clients to sue me because I have, I love the clients I work with. We have a great relationship and it's, I help them and I learn from them. I love it. But, um, you know, that's, that's a serious concern when you, you know, when you're an entrepreneur is you, you need to protect your assets, right? It doesn't yeah. matter. You don't know what could happen or 
you know, look at the times we live in, right? Like things happen overnight now, unex the unexpected uh, for business owners. And so, um, yeah, using my, my law degree to figure out how to file an LLC and how to elect the S-Corp so that I save more money on taxes. Um, I'm trying to trademark my brand name, right? Okay, like yeah. you can usually you pay a lawyer for thousands of dollars to do that. And I know how to do that myself. Um, having legal f lawyer friends is also like, yeah, a great I was, benefit. I'm like looking at you right now going, okay, so <laughs> let's talk later. Yeah, let me trademark <laughs> I mean, yeah. burrito for you. Yeah, no, I, I do use it. And it's also, um, it's just the, like the, the lawyer brain, I guess, like the way we were taught to analyze and, you know, have the critical thinking skills and critical analysis, right? That, of course, that, that, that comes in handy all the time. Yeah. yeah. So that is a great way to end this by saying none of the paths you've taken in your life goes to waste. It all comes together, right? Right. Yeah. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me here. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Curito Connects. For more Connects content, collaborations, and discoveries set to inspire you on your own individual journey, please head to our website at www.curito.co. Until next time, stay inspired and thank you for joining us at Curito Connects.